that's a good one because I've got my favourite best Jason kill okay <laughs> favourite best Jason kill <laughs> this is the favourite of the best Hi, I'm Ian. He's Ollie. Hi. We're both guys. We're chatting about Halloween slasher movies. It's the Guys on Film podcast. Jason! <laughs> What's that? Uh, have you ever played the game called Heavy Rain? Yeah. There's a bit where um, the main protagonist's uh, child gets lost inside a supermarket. And then <laughs> to find to try and find the child, you have to press X. And it says, press X to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and it's brilliant Jason um, and there's that... only I think there's only three samples as well <laughs> Jason there's like literally three varieties of Jason um, yeah so they get, they grow old quickly there's a good the, <laughs> there's a good YouTube video of that um, scene where you have to do these like uh, failing everyone yeah you have to, <laughs> yeah you have to dodge various obstacles to get through this level and it's really rubbish. quick time events. Quick time events for for film fans who don't know what that means. It means you approach an obstacle and you have to time the button press in order to avoid or deal with it in some way. Uh, so we'll look up heavy rain supermarket scene. It's a world of lol. Oliver, yeah. what's on this week's show? Okay, well it's uh, a spooktacular show. So we we'll, well first of all we'll be talking Ooh. about Mandy. I, I just got what. Can we just focus on films, please? Ah, Ian, there's a film called Mandy. Have you made some sort of um, home video? That's weird. Don't want to talk about that. Anyway, so we'll be talking about uh, the Nicolas Cage film Mandy. Oh, uh, then we'll be yeah. Ha- yeah, you see that? Yeah, you get it now. Um, then we'll be having, you know, a live score. And then we'll be talking about Halloween slashers. Uh, you know, we'll be talking about the best, the worst... How to survive a slasher, how to be a slasher. Um, you know about that. You know, and you'll have the usual kind of IMDb, common sense media, nonsense, all that kind of stuff. Is there anything else that we've got? No, I think that's it. That's good. It feels like a good episode for Halloween. And we probably have some comments from people about their favourite slashers as well. I say probably. Okay. I've got absolutely no reassurance that there are comments from anyone apart from us. Guys on film. Yeah, but guys, we're talking about film. It's the guys on film podcast for real. You know what guys talk about film. It's the guys on film podcast for real. Uh, okay, let's get into our seggy one, which is reviews of Nicolas Cage's Mandy. Yeah. Or uh, what's his name? What's the director's name? Panos Cosmatos. Ian. Uh, have you got the official synopsis for Mandy? No, I don't. Would you like to enlighten me? Yes. <laughs> Man searches the internet. <laughs> okay. Um, the official synopsis. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen propelling a man into a spiralling, surreal rampage of vengeance. Rampage? Yeah. (laughs) The well-known Dwayne The Rock Johnson film, Rampage. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. So I went to see this yesterday, so it's it's as fresh as you're gonna get. Ollie, I did too. We're on the same okay. page. Alright, so this stars uh, Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riseborough, and Linus Roach, um, who I hear is Ken Barlow's son. Is that actually true? From Coronation Street. Yeah, supposedly, true? yeah. Yeah. Wow. Allegedly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So the reason the reason we're talking about it is because I mean, it feels like Nicolas Cage's Resurgening. Um, it fe- it feels it's got like a bit of a, it's know, got a bit of a buzz, doesn't it? It's got a bit of a buzz, yeah. Um, I thought the the trailer was great. Wow. You know, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's good. All the imagery so far, you know, that had been released before, brilliant. Wow, the wicked you know, the vivid imagery. Nice. Vivid imagery. The you know the logo is quite you know black metal. You, you know, it, it's really it. up my street. It's really up my street. So I actually told girlfriend of the man. Girlfriend of the Mandy, girlfriend of the podcast Mandy about this one a couple of months ago and she sighed. What did Mandy have to say about Mandy? Well, I will insert a clip of what she thinks now. So uh, we went to see Mandy together. So what are your thoughts on Mandy? What did you did you enjoy it? First of all, which Mandy are you talking? I'm talking about the film Mandy. This is Mandy on Mandy. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. Ian's here. <laughs> Ian's here as well. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. It was. I think it's probably one of the best films I've ever seen. Des- wow! Despite the fact that it had Nicolas Cage in, who I always thought was a bit of a dick, but now, am I allowed to say dick on the podcast? Yeah. You look horrified. No, it's just that we both like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so what? Sure. One of the one of the main things is that. A, a couple of months ago, I alerted you to the fact that there was this film coming out called Mandy, and then initially you were like, "Oh, for God's sake, my name's forever going to be tainted by Nicolas Cage and, a, and an idiotic film." But now I'm jealous because I haven't got a film called Ollie starring Nicolas Cage. So, are you quite happy about this now? I am because it, you know, previously there was only a song called Mandy, which is really terrible. But now there's a film called Mandy, so it makes my name seem a bit less crap and so interesting fact the film was set in 1983 which is the year that i was born so it's pretty spooky isn't it wow spooky facts for halloween are you gonna put some owen wilson wows on that bit it'll yeah it'll be all over it uh so what what was your favorite part Um, was it the guy with the guy with his willy out (laughs) yeah that was pretty funny um i think just all the bits where he killed people um, I really enjoyed it. What was the best death? Um, probably crushing the guy's head with his hands. You you questioned whether that was possible. Ian, do you think that's possible? I mean, I can do it, but I'm not. I'm not a good thing to judge against. I'm stronger than average. I'd need to see um, the, what Nicolas Cage like. How big he is. You know, you can't really tell. On it's more determination and the right pressure points, I think. I think you need strong hands, a good grip. Yeah. Um, and is there anything else you liked about the film? The soundtrack um, was incredible. I have yeah. lis- listened to it last night in the bath. I can highly recommend listening to it in the bath. It is really, really good. And, yeah. OK, that's it. Thank you very Hi, much. Hi, Mandy. 
Okay, so that yeah, so that was that was what she thought. Oh, um, thanks, Mandy. But what I would say is that initially, she was, you know, a bit worried because it was a Nicolas Cage film with her name, and she thought my name is going to be forever tainted. And as you can hear just there, you know, she's head over heels with the film. Wow. Okay, so she was up for it. Um, in a big way, yeah. Can I just qualify here? So, uh, for the listeners, um, I texted Ollie yesterday and I said, yeah. we should have a big discussion about Mandy on, yeah. on the podcast. And Oliver's immediate reaction to that was, oh, here we go. As if, yeah. as if I was going to just have some diatribe and like immediate monologue about this, that and the other about the film. And I mean, that's mine. Yeah, Last of the Jedi um, 2, basically. Last of the Jedi 2. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I thought was going to happen. It was going to be, and this, and that. And when they did this, this didn't make sense. Okay, so I'm not sure why you thought that, but that was a comment that you made prior to you seeing the film. So we've both seen it now, and I think we can yeah. both just settle into having a discussion. Can I qualify what okay. I discuss for the next little while with I've got um, you might be able to hear on the podcast the notebook and the notebook has I might even post pictures of the notes because I wrote them in the dark Uh, it looks like the writing that you might find in some sort of occult book because it's the back of this tiny little notepad and there's little bit of writing and then massive gap because I'm trying to find with like my no eyesight and just hands only where I need to write next. And when you read them on their own, they don't make any sense. But I'm going to try and use this in the darkness notepad um, sort of shorthand nonsense to turn them into the things that I want to talk about during this sort of review. Is that okay? Sounds great. Okay, point one. I've written the word Mandy and I've underlined it and the underlines at least three millimetres below where it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The first thing I wrote down was matte painted skies. What do you reckon about that? What do you think about the the look of the film, Molly? Blew my socks off. Wow. Oh, man. I mean, I might actually actually send the director um, a bill for a new pair of socks. You might send him your Uh, socks and say, I'm going to need a pair of these back, but they better be in better condition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No, I, I just thought the, you know, the whole film committed to a, a style whether that style was aping a little bit of something like early friday the 13th with with the sort of horror aesthetic mm. you know which i did think it did that quite a lot mm. or whether it was like psychedelia imagery as well and and that sort of old you know sci-fi book imagery i thought it you know it committed to all of that stuff you know and it it kind of merged it into a whole and also had a bit of John Carpenter a bit of Clive Barker in there you yeah know, like a lot of Hellraiser yeah a I, lot of the fog things like that the, you know I, I just thought it was and it had a lot of its own stuff as well which I liked a lot a lot of the stuff that's in it you can kind of see from various places but I it's one of those films where you don't go ah oh, they've nicked that and they've nicked that and they've nicked that you go no. they've pulled a lot of cool stuff together and you don't it's not too on the nose to enjoy it. There's a lot of good stuff. The Clive Barker stuff, some of the baddies in the film have a particular sort of S&M aesthetic. Cenobite-y. Yeah, and that comes across well instead of like uh, Derivative and like Stolen, which is cool. Yeah, 100%, um, yeah. You know that uh, Elijah Wood is involved in uh, 
Yeah, and I noticed that in the producer. credits. He was a sort of yeah producer slash financer. And on the way, getting his wallet out. On the run up to this, um, I was looking up slasher films, obviously for the Halloween slasher episode, and Maniac came yeah. up. Um, yeah. The nineteen eighties Maniac, and also the Elijah Wood remake yeah. Maniac, and uh, okay, the remake Maniac, as well as stuff like Stranger Things and a variety of other stuff. They've kind of used this um, red, pink, and blue, like almost like intentionally iconic lighting. The sort of like, it's not realistic, but we don't care. Overdo it in a way yeah. that makes it like um, a memorable sort of look and feel. And they did that really yeah. well in this, I, I think. Like um, a number of the shots where they could have just been somebody out for a walk on like a sort of um, woodland road. They've yeah. do, they've made shots where it's really dreamlike and weird, where the entire road is like glowing in red, and it's it's got no real sense that it needs to be realistic. It's just I know the scene you're talking about, and that was the first time that Jeremiah is that his name, the the cult leader. Hmm. Yeah, that was the first time that him and his goons appeared on the scene, and obviously they're like on a mad permo on some crazy LSD. Yeah. So from his viewpoint, you know, everything's just going to look completely mental. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, so that's kind of what I, you know, afterwards, like not not while I was watching the film, but after it, that's kind of what I, I got from it was that... That's a reflection of their worldview and their, like, mental yeah, state. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. For a little bit that's more, like, because we're, we're diving into the visual style and stuff just simply because it was, like, the first note on my list. But um, yeah, should we give a little bit of more depth to the synopsis? So, basically, uh, yeah. Nick Cage and his uh, other half, Mandy, are quite happily together yeah. in this um, place in the middle of the woods. There's a bit of build-up. There's a bit of... Um, it's not a biopic, so it's not actually Nicolas Cage. He is playing a character called red i thought now correct me if i'm wrong i thought it was nicholas cage world-renowned actor and mandy your other half is is that incorrect no, no, it, it's incorrect yeah that's fake news yeah oh shit okay a number of my notes now are redundant okay can you give me a minute while i just let's think? just try and yeah let's just try and you know work get through on with that it. uh so yeah. you know they're they have their sort of way of life. They're quite happy. They're a, a good couple and they've got like a good bond with one another. And then yeah. something crazy happens and this sort of strange religious cult, uh, the leader of the cult decides that he is now completely taken with this lady Mandy and he needs to have yeah. her and whatever that really entails. Uh, there's other things that allude to the fact that some of what his cult get on get into is kind of sexual with like the various people that are part of the cult and that kind of suggests that when he steals Mandy away from Nicolas Cage's character that that's what their intentions are with her but they yeah. steal her away and then uh, he kind of sort of then witnesses something bad happen to her and then he goes on a wild rampage and I kind of think do you remember earlier in the year when we were uh, talking about the film is it revenge? Yeah, yeah. It's a similar sort of vibe in the okay, the battle lines are drawn and it's extremely clear what needs to happen here now. 
and all of the rest will just yeah. be the playing out of what everybody can imagine happening. But enjoy it. Come along with us on the revenge trail, basically. There's a distinct moment um, about two thirds of the way through the film. So each each kind of act of the film is sort of bookended by these quite elaborate title cards, which I thought were great as well. Wow. Um, and then when it finally gets to the title of the film, Mandy, that's when it kind of breaks pace a little bit um, because it's quite, I'd say that the sort of first act is quite dreamy and nice and it's sort of setting things up and it's really beautiful looking, you know, it's in, it's sort of setting up this kind of tranquil relationship that they're just quite happy to be in each other's company and be who they are, that kind of stuff. And it's sort of a bit mundane, a bit day to day. And then obviously it goes into the middle section, which I think is, it's just this like mental trip and a bit like an, a bit of an ordeal. Like this is where the biggest ordeal happens. Yeah. And, and it's, but it's still quite, you know, in the throes of this sort of drug fueled craze. And it's, it, it, it still feels quite tripped out and, and sort of slow paced. But then as soon as it kind of gets into the, the Mandy section of the film, when the title actually comes up about an hour into the film, it all of a sudden just, switches pace and becomes like really fast paced yeah what what did you think about that that sort of switch up there did you enjoy that or did you feel it jarring or uh no i liked it i liked it you like that you know um that film revenge that we're talking about yeah it had a variety of scenes where i think it's become a sort of go-to thing for small budget art house films where they have like a sort of very simplistic storyline to make very simple things into long elaborate set pieces and by set pieces I actually almost mean like they just draw out shots for no reason so a camera slowly panning or zooming into a face that doesn't actually change emotion and it goes for the best part of a minute and a half and that happened a couple of times in that revenge film and it happened a couple of times in Mandy I kind of didn't like it in Revenge, and I liked it in Mandy, and I think it's because over they, well they were doing something. They were, I know the two bits you mean. There's 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 one bit with um, Jeremiah where his face is kind of slowly morphing into Mandy's and backwards and forwards. Yeah, um, and then you've got this super super long shot of Nicolas Cage sort of like trussed up and and gagged with barbed wire just watching what's going on and it it doesn't cut for quite a substantial amount of time but you can't take your eyes off it it's just you know it's a hard watch but he sells it yeah whereas in Revenge I don't think they earned it because there wasn't an awful lot else going on and there were shots that were lit in a similar way Uh, actually even on quad bikes going through like yeah, red yeah. lit darkness to go like hunt down the baddies that you want to get baddies. revenge on and it was done in a much better way in mandy i think there was it was earned that they had you know like you knew why he was going after them and i mean you knew that in in uh revenge all i really mean is like in some cases you go okay I'm I'm enjoying the pace of this when it's a minute or two of just looking at the same thing because I'm I'm getting more from looking at what I'm seeing, whereas sometimes you look at these shots that are kind of intentionally artistic in inverted commas and you kind yeah. of like watch them and you go, all right, move on. What's well, next? I think, What's next? I think I'm just gonna 
go back to saying what I said before was that they just really, you know, obviously this is this uh, Panos Cosmatos. That is his style, isn't it? He's, you know, obviously quite an, you know, art house director. Yeah. And, you know, everything has gone in to making this film feel like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a nightmarish trip. Whereas they only kind of half did that in Revenge and then they still had these quite lucid moments of just gore or, you know, something else. That, you know, whereas obviously with Mandy, it just, it was always, I, I think it's a little head. bit like one of them. It's a little bit like you have to like relax into it and just kind of let it, get into the vibe. Let of it, it wash over and you get into the vibe. Yeah, exactly. Almost, almost a little bit like one of those invisible eye pictures, you know, you have to just kind of, you know, wait for it to come into focus and then it'll, you know, it's just there. But with, yeah, with Revenge, it's a really similar film. There's a couple of story beats that are almost exactly the same with like something horrible happening and then like watching some kind of like out of context weird advert Uh, in Mandy, it completely worked, but in Revenge, it didn't because it, it wasn't weird enough or it it wasn't the whole thing wasn't bizarre enough and there was there was quite a lucid moment in mandy where like all of a sudden it was like stark light and nicholas cage was in a in a bathroom yeah drinking himself into oblivion but even then it was just this one kind of you know brightly lit <laughs> you know but it was still had this kind of weird mania to it it was just amazing wow. the, the the great bit about that scene is uh, i talked about it with somebody today and uh, i i said um it's it's a film that really leans heavily into Nick Nick Cage's sort of newfound memeness that you know like he's known now for his like mania and like whatever film he's in he's going to go like full Nick Cage in some form or other and uh, the person replied to me like oh did he do the thing where he's like <sighs> and like you know like he's sort of like 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 recouping from some madness and i was like actually the yeah. best the best nick cage-ness in this only had about three or four seconds of him like sort of regaining his breath so this was yeah. the toilet scene that you just mentioned where he's screaming like at the top of his lungs for best part of like three four minutes and then he has one moment in the middle of it where he sort of gets his breath back like <sighs> and yeah. then just starts drinking and screaming again for another minute and it's fucking amazing <laughs> like, yeah yeah there there were parts in the film where i thought they were a little bit too knowing with the we got nick cage by the way so here's him doing you his mean the uh, the the bruce the bruce lee um crash zoom maybe a little bit yeah but actually i don't know if it was crash zoom at the very end but he's in a car at the end and he looks to the yeah. passenger seat and then when he looks it's all in real world and then when the camera looks yeah. back at him, he's like maniacal. And then he looks yeah. and it's fine. And then the camera looks back at him and he's fucking insanely maniacal again. And but I mean, he's just had this like, this super strength LSD and he's he's on a permo, mate. <laughs> yeah. He's never coming back down. We, we've skipped a lot of the meat of this actually, Ollie. So what does he do once he realises that... Man- so spoilers ahead... But Mandy's been taken, and then Mandy disappears for a while, and then the next thing he knows, he's he's barbed wired to a fence, and he watches the the weird biblical cult guys burn her alive. What happens it's, after yeah, it's all that? Yeah. It's 
It's pretty harrowing for a bit. And then what happens? Yeah, after so that? He, he manages he manages to uh, to escape. He goes and builds this, you know, amazing axe that looks like it supposedly um, represents the F from the uh, Celtic Frost logo. Uh, so he goes and builds this amazing kind oh, of mate, axe thing. He gets um, he gets a crossbow from the I eat green berets for breakfast man from Commando. Yeah. Um, and then, and then he basically goes and starts hunting people down. And he only manages to hunt one of them down until he gets captured and kind of like locked up again. And then he's basically in this weird kind of crack slash filth den. And then he's going around just sort of taking people out, a lot of violence, uh, a lot of fighting. Yeah. So once he's taken a few people out, he has a moment to sort of gather his troops and find his weapons again. And you get some body armor on. And then he finds this pot of like weird silver goo. Yeah. And as you do, he puts his puts his finger in it, and he uh, has a little lick, and then instantly he's just tripping balls. Whoa. Now this reminds me of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, where the guys that he's hunting down are irrevocably blasted out of reality forever. But he <laughs> yeah. only had a tiny sip. <laughs> yeah. So he's gone just insane, bit, yeah. but you know, like he only had a fingertips worth. Whereas they were chugging yeah. down jugs of it. Um, yeah, yeah. So there is a point where he takes on the final boss from a video game yeah. point of view. He takes on the final guy from uh, the cult. And his voice literally changes into a similar sort of voice as the like sort of processed, weird, like yeah, earthy, guttural sound. And he takes on the voice of yeah, the baddies yeah. that he's been killing. And those are the yeah. guys who have been irrevocably changed and they're almost like this sort of sp- spiritual sort of group of bad guys and yeah that's right like spiritually a, bit, a little bit like um and also a little bit like manson-esque as well mm. and he takes on their Some form at the very end of it but yeah um the recognition that he has for the reason that he's done it all in the car and the way out after he's committed the sort of final kill Sort of suggests that maybe he actually knows what he's done and he knows what the crack is. He's maybe back with it. And although he's, you know, maniacal and still off his head. I mean, Nick Cage is like that when he goes to the shops. So I'm sure it's fine. So, yeah, I did I did actually... That's a good point about the sound. Wicked soundtrack wow. by is it Johan Johansson. Yeah, just like really, really good. Um, proper. Uh, yeah, it, it just perfectly suits the... The visuals as well, the vocal processing and all the sound design was just, you know, superb. Ian, I'd like to see it win some sort of award. Okay, what the audio? For for the audio, yeah. I thought I just thought they they went above and beyond, sort of crafting, you know, this audio experience. It was, you know, pretty nightmarish, but it was, you know, it was really well done. Wow. So, I have a couple of final points. Kind of just Ian's r- final points. Just run them down really quickly. Um, Go on in. There was a moment where Mandy was burnt and I thought that maybe the guy that they offered up, the, the fatty that they offered up, and yeah. they kind of said this like chubby character might be offered up to these baddies as like an offering that will make them be compliant. Um, I thought that maybe instead of killing her, they'd killed him just as a way to enrage Nick Cage's character and then we're, it was all going to be unfolded at the end. T- 
turned out that was wrong. <laughs> so I uh, wrong wrong. I got it all wrong. Uh, so yeah. so that fell through. But the fatty here's the point <laughs> is I just yeah. on on the run up to uh, this podcast I'd watched Nightmare on Elm Street five. Uh, sorry, no, 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 no. I hadn't. <laughs> hey Ollie, cut that out. Uh, wrong. I'd watched Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so it's another oh, sort yeah, of uh, summer campy sort of thing, but it's a mental yeah, home yeah. summer camp, and one right. one of the kids is a little bit chubbier than the rest of the kids, and I thought that the bleach blonde chubby kid in this was a reference to him, and they were offering up for offering him up for a free kill for the sort of spiritual baddies group. Um, yeah. If you okay. see if you see that film anytime soon, you'll see the visual resemblance between the two. Uh, do Do you think that Nicolas Cage was Nicolas Cage enough in it, or would you have liked him to have wigged out a bit more? I think he was Nicolas Cage enough, in particular when the extremely fat man in the S and M costume was chuffing down loads of weird white powder. And yeah. he attempted to have sex with him like a in a seven esque way, as in massive blade penis. What? And just missed him. He yeah. ended up being a little bit like a turtle that was like kind of stuck on its back over the top of yeah. uh, Nicolas Cage. He slashes his throat, and the blood gushes from this guy's throat directly into Nicolas Cage's mouth, and he just starts laughing. And I wonder if. Yeah. Actually, Nick Cage started laughing on set and they kept it because it was just amazing. Yeah, probably. Like, yes, yeah. this is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, he's doing it. He's doing it, lads. And he chucks him off. He gets up and then he fights another guy and kills him. And then the entire ground is just covered in garbage and some gleaming triangle of glass on the ground catches his eye. And he picks it up. He's just killed two men. And he chops down some fucking insane amount of um, I don't know bacon, baking flour or something. I don't know. I yeah. I've no idea. But I mean, they, he seemed to have a great time immediately afterwards. So <laughs> I thought that, and then lighting the cigarette on the dead body were two amazing yeah. ways to have a Nick Cage moment. I've just fucking yeah. killed these lads. <laughs> okay, and my uh, my final question is is. Do, do you think that he's, you know, going to have a, a resurgence after this? Or do you think actually that's him peaked? I don't think that's him peaked, but I think he's now going to be a more regular and sort of steady part of this kind of scene. I hope so. Where he's pulled into these sort of intentionally sort of low budget and niche indie films and he's used in exactly the way where everyone wants him to be on screen we want him to be that kind of thing and let's get him to do it easy i would be up for that okay um that's all pretty glowing then i think we both uh yeah was i think we both enjoyed was really up for it you know the one thing that i was a little bit less keen on ian's one thing (sighs) I thought that the animation stuff that was in it was a little bit shoved in. I think the animation actually brought down the whole thing, to be honest. What do you reckon? 
Did you like it or not like it? Um, I thought it was a little on the nose, as in like you know the the symbolism throughout the film was you know you had to kind of delve a bit, and it was the only time where the symbolism was you know like this means this. Okay. If you know what I mean, it was quite obvious. Like you know here she is pulling the you know this thing out of the beast which is this person and you know it was it, it, that was maybe just a little bit too on the nose but i still didn't mind it they were they were you know they were like 10 second interludes i and, i quite you know, i quite like the the meaning of them i just felt like the visual style was a little bit like shoehorned in and it felt a little bit like a video game at that point or like a it felt like Netflix series at that point rather than like cinematic movie I want to go see a couple more times. Nah, I, di- I didn't, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fair enough. So Mandy gets an overall yeah. thumbs up from us. Uh, I'll probably put both thumbs up to be honest with you. Oh, sure. Live score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine. Thank you. Live score. Out of ten. Live score. Pro- probably like a, th- a four. Okay. Ollie, would you like to tell me what your life score is? Uh, well, at the moment, it's probably... I mean, I always say it's an eight. So I'm going to go for a cool original eight and a half. Wow. I've got a few days Ooh. off with the kids. You know, we've been having a, a nice time. It's been pretty cool. I've, I've done some uh, DIY around the house. I've, I've made it... I've made good use of the space now. When you come down for a Coventry one, you'll go, Ollie, you really have made good use of the space. Feng Shui. Yeah, you will. You'll say you'll you'll say stuff like that. Um, films wise, we've spoken about it. I've seen Mandy. Um, I took the kids to see the house with the clock in its walls, and Ian. Jesus. I was less than impressed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Didn't yeah. think it was. Didn't Don't. think it was that good. When when you compare it to a film like Goosebumps, which is you know, I thought was quite good fun. This one just didn't didn't even have a tenth of that uh, charm. Uh, so I didn't I didn't I didn't think it was particularly very good. No. And okay. this morning at about six o'clock, I woke up and I was like really alert and awake, and I didn't want to get up at that time. Um, I did eventually go back to sleep and had a, a good sleep because I was a bit poorly last night, a bit of a cold, the uh, the old snuffles. Um, uh-huh. So I woke up and I watched uh, Darren Brown, his new special on Netflix, which is called Sacrifice. Um, <sighs> and I'm not afraid to admit that in my weakened emotional state, a few tears came out towards the end. Oh I, my it was, uh, God, I had a little cry, just a little. It was quite emotional. Ali. Sorry. What's become of you? I'm just, I'm just admitting it live, live on the podcast. Live admit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Are you finding that thing at the moment where um, it's not cold enough to have the heating on full blast, but um, in the middle of the night, your head and your shoulders get cold because like, they're the bits that are outside your blanket? <laughs> Um, do you know what I mean? Do you uh, yeah. know what I mean? Do you not? Do you have one arm in the bed and one arm out? Do you get one really cold arm or? I don't know. Sometimes it depends how you lie. Ian Cold Arm Smith. Both sometimes. Just lie there with my arms wrapped around my my body. Mama. Body in blanket, arms out. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's it. That's all I've been doing. What about you? Oh, mate, I've been having sleepless nights. No, I'm joking. Um, I've had um, a good good month, I reckon. Wow. Um, I went to a Michael Jackson exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery. Was it, um, was it good or was it bad? Oh, come on. It was bad, mate. Yeah. Um, Did you uh, steal any of the artwork off the wall at all? Or? Oh, come on. What? No, I didn't. No. Okay. Um, it's it's finished now as well, so I'll describe it and people will go, oh, I can't go see that. But um, it was courtesy of Peter Cater from my birthday. Ah, okay. Maybe one day I'll get him back. I would show. like for someone. Yeah, because, um, you know, those those times when Peter Cater was on the show, you, you know, you just can't beat it. Oh, come on. Yeah. He's just better than you. (laughs) (laughs) I was meant to go on a film course, which was cancelled pretty last minute for last Thursday. So a bit annoyed. (laughs) No professionals. Is that why Um, they cancelled it? Yeah, they're like, look, mate, this is not for you. You're already, you're already doing it. Yeah. Um, Okay. That's before they'd seen any of the work that we'd done. Um, So yeah, that was a bit disappointing, but I'll rebook it. So. Fair enough. Um, I've been to a gig. I went off to York, actually, a couple of weeks back, which was nice. It was very countryside-y. York is uh, great. You like it? Love it. Did you go to uh, Betty's Tea Room? No, it was just rammed with people at the time. So good. Wow. It, it had a huge queue of tourists outside it. Oh, yeah, but you needed to be one of those tourists. I mean, all I'll say is, I know this is an episode on slashes, but we you know, need to take 30 seconds out just to... You know, big up a, a good a good cup of tea and a cake. You can't you can't beat it. And that's a that's well, the second time honest... I've used that particular um, Michael Jackson song title. Oh come on! Um, how do you like your tea, black or white? Yeah. <sighs> we'll move on. Yeah. Um, I on a more Halloween oriented theme, we went to a pub called the House of Screaming Madness um, in York, which is quite well known. Uh, it's apparently it's a local what's the word it's well known locally Ollie okay <laughs> it's it's um, really cool it's tiny and it's in, built in this like really old building and it had lots and lots of framed kind of um, taxidermy animals in there like massive spiders and stuff like that so it had a little right. bit can more you, of a can you stuff a spider um, it looked like you could stuff this tarantula certainly my life score, Ollie, I'm going to go with an 8.5. Okay. Still original 8 plus a 0.5 is an 8.5. Bing. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, I think so. It would actually be a 9 had it not been for that uh, course kind of falling to pieces at the last minute because minute, I was really looking forward to it. But, um, to say that they're sorry. You know, we'll move through it. Shall we get into this deep dive? Jump in a farty submersible with some slashers. Yeah, uh, and I hope it'll be a real thriller. Oh, come on. Facts, data, I think I'll probably double check that. Ian. Yeah? What is a slasher? Um, Michael Jackson's Earth song. <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense. I'll ask you again. Uh, with regards to our deep dive, what is a slasher? You always, you always ask this question as if it can just be easily summarised. So let me give it a go. 
um, a type of horror film. It's a subgenre of the horror genre, uh, in which the killers who are giving you the most frights and they're giving the uh, protagonist a run for their money um, are typically people that do these sort of elaborate or very gruesome kills, and the kills are kind of the centerpiece of the whole thing. Uh-huh. Is that about right? I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very much um, a compendium of kills. So you need a kind of loose... Killpendium. Exactly. So you need a kind of a loose story. Uh, You need a a cool-looking villain who's on a bit of a revenge mission. And then he just needs to think of, (laughs) like, yeah, either unique ways or just plain gory ways to dispatch maybe... Would you say somewhere between three to eight victims per film? Yeah, I'd say so. That's about right, yeah. That's a good number, yeah. Okay, so um, when we're talking about the first slasher movie ever, and this is lifted directly from the words of of Google, it says it depends on who you ask, but Bay of Blood 1971, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Black Christmas, both 1974, are most often cited as laying the genre's foundation. Um, so which of those have you seen? Have a guess. All of them? No, I think I've just seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to watching uh, Black Christmas. I don't I don't particularly know a lot about uh, Bay of Blood. So Bay of Blood's the one that I've not seen. I've, I've seen uh, Black Christmas as well, and it's worth a look. Okay. Um, oh, I mean, only within the context of slashers, really. Like, it's not anything great, but it's... Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, so, so, yeah, now I'm seeing Bay of Blood. I'm seeing the cover art for it, and I am familiar with the cover art, but I've just never seen it. It's a particularly good cover. It's got it's got a sort of um, evil dead quality to it of a lady coming out of some water, like the hand coming out of the ground. Um, but instead of having a lovely time, she's covered in blood, the water is blood, and there's a weird knife around her neck. So when you say the water is blood, it's not even water, it's just blood. It's a bay of blood. Okay. Uh, So, Ian, let's just jump straight into it. What's your favourite slasher film? Let's just go straight into it. When someone says says to you, Ian, what's your favourite slasher film, you say... I want to go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Tell me for what. Um, I quite like Scream as well. I okay. must say, I rewatched Scream last night, but I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre more because um, I think it's the one that had the the biggest effect on me after I watched it. What, now, what, is, what was that effect like? Um, bed wetting? Certainly, wet your bed. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't yeah. know what that means. I saw it and then I came round your house and I peed in your bed. <laughs> okay. uh, shed wetting. um no the um the thing about it was it's quite um dark and hard to shake the imagery from so it was it wasn't some i don't think i've ever had real nightmares from a film but um some vivid imagery vivid mental vivid imagery in it okay um i think the key image for me i'll be honest i've not done a lot of uh, research or uh, note taking on this film because 
I'd done some notes on some other ones. But it uh, it basically concerns. Here's the official synopsis. The official synopsis. Two siblings and three of their friends en route to visit their grandfather's grave in Texas end up falling victim to a family of cannibalistic psychopaths. The couple of things that stick in my mind from it are when they first pick up the creepy guy on the road, he uses a knife on his own hand to, like, um, just, I don't know, freak them out. Yeah. Uh, and that was, like pretty shocking to me because the chat in the car was very tame prior to that happening i was like whoa what's going on with this um so that was a shocker yeah and also just because he was like so filthy and dirty and his knife looked horrible the idea that i mean listen no one wants to get cut with a knife but they especially didn't want to get cut with that rotten like bit of metal that he had exactly Um, you know you'd at least need a tetanus injection or something beforehand to even give it a go. <laughs> All right, have a go. Do your worst. Someone um, said to me so... the other day, you, you can't cut your own hand. You know, like in the films. Someone someone said to me that, that that's not physically possible. <laughs> um, your brain would stop okay. you from doing it. I mean, who, to- who, who told you that? It was a work friend. Oh, fucking idiot. <laughs> Should I get him sacked? <laughs> I think so, yeah. That's just daft. Okay. I mean, it's certainly not advisable. Maybe they couldn't do it. Anyway, uh, the actual show... <laughs> L- listen, I literally can't do it. Okay. Um, the other bit that's the most shocking part is um, in the hallway, you'll remember this scene. Oh, yeah. Leatherface, um, yeah. A-, a guy exploring the house. You can see him coming forwards into the... Uh, hallway and then the camera switches position to view to view him having a like sort of sneaky look around at the bottom of the staircase and the door next to the staircase whizzes open and behind it um and leatherface pops out with a mallet or a sort of sledgehammer whacks this guy in the head and he goes down in the ground and the more shocking bit of it is he just starts like sort of gyrating and i don't know just turns into like a Bundle Would of you nerves. say more like spasming, like with his uh, the old foot yeah. on the floor? Is that sound of the heels of his shoes whacking the wood that's memorable? Yeah. And then also, when Leatherface slams the door closed, it has this real and there's like a real sort of I don't know. It's, maybe it's just this way in my head, but it's maybe the sound design of the film. But it really was full on when he slams that door. Yeah, it's got oh, yeah, sinister it? music afterwards or something. Yeah, because it's not really like a massively graphic and gory film. No, I think a lot of it's kind of left to the imagination, but there's enough. There's enough to go on. Um, all right, return question, Ollie. What's your favourite film? Slasher film. I mean, there's no question. It's Halloween. Um, I'll tell you why. Okay. Just before I get into telling you why... I'll tell you what their version of events is with the official synopsis. So this is Halloween from 1978. 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night in 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital. What? Oh no, mental hospital, and returns to the small town of Haddonfield to kill again. Sorry, I just realised that the way that I said mental hospital meant that it was like, oh mate, the hospital was like, off the hook. Next level hospital. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. I think we all understand. Okay, so this is uh, directed and written by uh, John Carpenter, but also there's a screenplay uh, credit here for Deborah Hill as well. Okay. Um, you know, we know the one, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, give, Donald Pleasance. Give someone else some credit. Exactly, we're just giving them some credit. So what I like about this one is that Michael Myers uh, is a little bit of a normie. You know, he's he's just normal, isn't he? He's just a, a guy that was in a hospital. Yeah, I mean, look what he's going to do now. He's been Shrek, like, th- four times, three times? Well, in the first film, he's he's basically just this unrelenting... Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, he's just this unrelenting forward momentum. He never runs. I believe he drives. He, he does drive, but he never runs. Um, okay. okay yeah. And also it's implied that he's got some kind of um, teleportation powers. What? I mean, come on. <laughs> because some bits of the film don't make sense unless that's true. Exactly. Well, there's a lot of times where it's... You know, it goes to show how slow he is and he's basically just walking towards you really slowly and that's quite scary, isn't it? But then there's other times yeah. where, like, literally, he was just lying there and then it cuts away and then goes back to him and he's just disappeared. And going at that sort of relative speed that he normally moves at, that doesn't feel possible unless he can teleport. I like that your description of why this is your favourite slasher has moved on to relative speed and probability of teleportation. Well, here's another thing, couple of things I like. I think it's got the uh, the best horror music ever. I actually think... Okay, that that's confirmed. The music is the best horror music. Apart from, I think... Uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters has also got some quite good music in there as well. Um, mm. It makes daylight... Sus- Suspiria has some pretty good music, yeah. the original. Goblin. Uh, it also makes daylight, <laughs> like daytime scary, which I think is quite hard to do, but they they do manage to make sort of the daytime scenes quite scary as well, which I, I also like that. Do you okay. reckon? Yeah, um, I agree. And I've, I've, got, I've got here that it's maybe the diehard of slashers. So it's it's kind of almost like it's the you know it's the one it's the reference point isn't it he is an unstoppable force he's slightly inhuman you know you can stab him and shoot him but he's just going to keep getting up and he's you know he's been wrong and he's forever somehow. saying yippee ki motherfucker exactly uh, exactly <laughs> I mean I was gonna I was gonna get to that um, I'm gonna give you a, a quick fact slash. You know, one one thing just before the fact is um, fact slash is, Hall- is Halloween two not more like Die Hard in that it's all <laughs> it's set in an airport in school <laughs> <laughs> and he has to reject himself out of a all I was going to say is it's set in one location really but anyway sure what's your fact buddy okay so it says here from a budget of three hundred thousand the film went on to gross forty seven million at the U S box office I mean. The ROI on that is next level. <laughs> Republic of Ireland. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's basically one of the most successful independent films of all time, which is pretty crazy. Um, and here's one more. Here's one more uh, good fact slash. As the film was shot out of sequence, and it was actually shot in spring, not not autumn, so they couldn't really find things like orange leaves or pumpkins. 
So they, mm-hmm. they were quite hard to hard to find. So it was shot out of sequence. John Carpenter created a fear meter so that Jamie Lee Curtis would know what level of terror she should be exhibiting and when. And you live by that daily. I've got I have a I have a fear meter with me at all you're times. Constantly referencing. Yeah. Yeah, I love Halloween as well. I I will fully agree with you on that one. It's it's just I don't know. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre deserves a mention as well. I think it did. I mean, there's I've got a little bit of parents guide here just quickly for because it, you know, these films aren't all about just the the violence. There is, you know, often a little bit of the uh the naughty stuff as well. Okay. Okay. Um, a woman, Linda, reveals her bare breasts to a man to get him into bed with her. And then in brackets it says, non-sexual. <sighs> okay. I mean... She's just desperate for a massage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. And so we've both just watched H2O. The, the one that was made 20 years later. I'm only about 25 minutes into that. I just started watching it after you told me that you were, but I have watched it relatively recently, maybe in the last sort of year. Okay. Um, it's good. I wonder what the, I like it. why they called it H2O, because, I mean, water isn't scary, really, in, in, uh, in a little kind of community like that, unless it was, you know... Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. That's not what you were saying when you were wetting yourself when we both watched Jaws together. (laughs) No, here he is, big balls. Uh, Water's not scary. No, it it isn't. No. Um, One of the things that made me laugh about this film, and I think it's something that maybe happens in Scream as well, and it's one of these little niggles that I have about films, is where the teacher is teaching something to a class that is relevant to the plot of the film, but but nobody really knows it. In this case, it was uh, Elizabeth confronting Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay, I get it. Like shoe, <laughs> shoehorn it in, why don't you? I mean, it's not like they're just going to cut to a classroom and they're just learning about, you know... Osmosis or something like you know unrelated. I mean that still would be related though, wouldn't it? Because it'd okay. be the movement of uh, liquid between cells, and this is Halloween H two O. Well, I, I, maybe I just can't think of anything at the moment that would. All right, cheese. Not be related. About ma- making making cheese. Yeah. Okay. They weren't going to be learning about that because it wouldn't be relevant to the plot. He's finally proved his point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've hit on um, something here. It, it is a film that seems to have a lot of uh, references jammed into it very quickly. Um, I've only watched it for 25 minutes. A bunch of things have come up. Um, Janet Lee from Psycho's in it. She's like made to look like a sort of raving old lady. Um, sort of nattering at, um, what do you call her, Laurie Strode. Yeah. And just kind of going, oh, this has happened or that's happened. And the thing that she says that's happened that requires the most attention is that the girl's shower is clogged again. With blood, is it? Yeah. Pretty good. I quite like it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was all right. It, it's, it's, sometimes it's a bit clever, clever, like, it, you know, knowing, because um, it was, I think it was the same writer as Scream or it had, you know, it kind of came out around the same time where, 
you know, Scream and all that meta stuff was quite popular. Yeah. You know, so it was just it was just doing a bit of a meta one, wasn't it? Like, oh, you know, people are going to start doing things, you know, in a clever way. Um, I know why you picked this one out because uh, it's full of heartthrobs. It's got Josh Hartnett. He's my favourite, um, but it's got a bunch of other ones. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's in it. He's in it at the start as a a little uh, hockey punk. Yeah, and then probably the best kill is yeah. that he gets an ice skate through the face. Yeah, it's good. Um, and it says here, uh, factual error, at around seven minutes, an ice skate through the face would not be a clean stab. It would shatter the skull. Hmm. Well, maybe uh, Myers knew that and made you know a kind of nice incision first and then gently placed it in. Yeah, for shock value. Yeah, exactly. He's a creep, isn't he? He's a real creep. Okay, so that's Halloween H2O. Have you got much much more on that? I've just got um, two more things. This is from kids that have seen it. Um, And they're both... Oh, can I just just address something? I've been drinking sparkling water, and in the middle of the last sentence, I think I just kind of half let out a burp. Do you want me to edit that out, do you? I mean, you can if you like. I'll try. Uh, so this is for the original Halloween, and uh, an 11-year-old says, It's not bloody or anything. So I turned it off after an hour and a half because I was bored. Ian, <laughs> the running time of this film is 91 minutes. <laughs> uh, talking of um, short run times, yeah. Halloween H2O is only an hour and 26. It must be or, your absolute I mean, favourite. Perfect run time. Okay, and the last one. I love this movie. This is one of the first horror movies I've seen. It's great for beginners because it's not too scary. <laughs> I love the thought that, you know, it's an education or it's a skill. <laughs> Listen, I'm just a beginner. Start me off on the small stuff. Let me work it up. What, what do you uh, think um, an expert level horror would be? Like You'd have to be really skilled. <laughs> well, um, one that I've read about that I've not actually seen myself yeah is uh during the course of researching this episode i heard about laid to rest which seems to seems to be quite a big sort of cult hit and it's had some um it's had some sequels as well but it's quite new 2009 um and it's this like sort of goth emo-y guy going about with like a sort of chrome metal skull um but it looks super nasty like a bit beyond a little bit too much really Really? Um, so I think maybe that would be expert level. One notable mention before before I get on to something that... Because we've asked some um, listeners to tell us about their favourite slashers. But one notable mention that I've got is The Burning. Mm. Um, and it's got brilliant front cover artwork, sort of poster... Um, the official synopsis is... <laughs> a former summer camp caretaker horribly burned from a prank gone wrong lurks around an upstate New York summer camp, bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. So this is a good one. It's a bit of a classic, although it's not probably in the same sort of... um, It's not not as well-known, obviously, as Halloween or the types of things that maybe your mum and dad mention are like horror films. It's not as well-known as that, but it is... Every bit's good. 
classic and every bit as good and well known to people that are in slasher films. So the burnt guy comes back, obviously, uh, uses sort of um, the wilderness as a bit of an equaliser so that, that, you know, people... bit like Rambo. ...find it harder to get away. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's a bit of the classic sort of weird teenage sex in the woods stuff and then like a kill in the middle of it i think he cuts someone's head off while he's having sex with someone and hedge cutters are the weapon of choice yeah they're actually in the front cover poster of this film and they're locking fingers off and everything yeah so i think my favorite kill is one where he manages to lure these kids onto a boat where they've got literally nowhere to go apart from in the water and we all know the sharks in the water so that's a terrible idea so hedge cutters he cuts fingers off and just all sorts of blood on the boats and canoes so um, talking about um favorite kills friend of the podcast uh liam messaged me and said that his favorite jason kill is the toilet kill in part five he says it's very good wow. the whole thing is just excellent wow. um, singing while taking a dump you know it's very romantic oh um, i just watched this the other night yeah it's good yeah yeah he says that's his that's his favorite one personally i quite like the sleeping bag kill okay and one where he forces a hot sauna coal through someone's belly and it's it's pretty rough but there's a really really good one as well i think it's in um, jason takes manhattan uh, and basically he's on top of this roof and he's having a he's having a standoff with a boxer on top of this roof <laughs> and the boxer's just going like crazy on him like loads of combos you know da, 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 da. and then he eventually just like one blow you know you see it coming a mile off he just Jason punches his head clean off and then it lands in a bin which is quite which is quite good but it's it's well WWE because basically like Jason's giving it the old Oh, you're beating me, and I'm my stamina's low. What do you call that in wrestling, where like they're really selling being beaten? It's the beat down, and then it's followed by you know the big comeback. Or, That's it, yeah. Or or yeah, hulking up as they say. But I don't <laughs> know. Jason does only hulking up. No, he doesn't. He just he just ends it like really quick. Yeah. So what I, do you I, think? I quite like Jason takes New York. Actually, I've I watched okay. that one. I remember it quite well. Him chasing people through the um, carriages and the train is pretty good. What do you think about Jason and the and the Fridays? I think I quite like them, yeah. Because it starts off, they start off quite normal-ish, but I think out of all of them, it's the one that has the most crazy sort of trajectory that eventually, obviously, you know, goes to hell and then space. Perfect. It just goes more. It just goes more mental. Um, but I think it has probably the most inventive kills out of out of all the slashes. I think they. You know, they pride themselves on, you know, having pretty inventive ones. I mean, there's a lot of, of, of kind of machetes to the face and, you know, decaps and stuff like that. But then, you know, you do then you do get some real kind of, you know, ingenious, almost comic kills. I think um, because Nightmare on Elm Street went more comedy as it went on, that's probably why I prefer Friday the 13th. Is it's, it's got some humour in it, but overall it's pretty dark. Um, okay. If you want a horror film, you want something that's pretty dark, don't you? Yeah. But as far as uh, inventive kills go, I think probably Nightmare on Elm Street goes think, more crazy because it's got the ability to go it? through dreams. Yeah, can go absolutely as mad as you like. Um, there's yeah. one. I re- there's one I remember. I can't remember exactly which film it is, 
But um, a guy's sleeping on a waterbed, and then he sees his girlfriend uh, in this like weird hallucination. She's swimming inside the waterbed because it looks like the waterbed goes on for like sort of a, a tank of water below where he's sleeping. Yeah, and then uh, she disappears, and Freddy appears with his claw, tears the rubber of the bed, and then the guy just sort of like gets consumed into the bed and starts bleeding. And I think if you're doing something about dreams and killing people in beds is the thing, water yeah. beds were the next logical place to go because water is scary. We already established that on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing scarier than H two O. H two O. I remember at school someone um, was just like, did you know you could drown in a bowl of water? That's all it takes. It's literally all it takes. As if to really kind of say, like, you've got to watch, watch out. out mate. You've got to watch out for that water, mate. It's, it's out to get you, even just a bowl of it, right? Yeah. I love, one of my one of my favourite Freddy ones is I think it's in three um, and is the the puppet when he, he puppets somebody and gets all the veins out and you know dances Ugh. him around and stuff. Yeah, Jesus, pretty full on. And I think he turns someone into a beetle as well. Yeah, so they are pretty off the wall. Kills someone in Mario. What? He kills someone in Mario. I'm pretty certain in in the in the three D one he he kills. Someone in Mario, yeah, in the in the game Mario Brothers, gets wow. him inside the game, yeah. How did how did that get signed off by Nintendo? PG Nintendo. Anyway, um, here is a favourite slasher from somebody that responded to us, Will Hardy or Bill okay. Hardley on uh, Twitter. So it's Idle Hands. This has got um, the lad from Final Destination, Devin Sawa or Sawa. If it was saw, it's like, oi, mate, I'm going to saw you up. Uh, he's oh, I must be thinking of a different one. But... Oh, um, he's got Seth Green in it. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, he was he was destined for big things, that Final Destination guy. Anyway, Jessica Album's in it. What? Album? Jessica <laughs> Alba is in it. Talking of albums, though, uh, The Offspring make a an appearance in this, which is okay. probably cringy. Um, but it kind of lo- it's a it's a mix of um, Evil Dead with the sort of hand with a life of its own, weird uh-huh. science where like I don't know it's just kids like sort of trying to it's kids in a scenario that's totally out of this world, <laughs> and um, it's also kind of like those Rob Schneider films that South Park took the piss out of for him. You know how they're like Rob Schneider is a yeah. carrot. Um, that if you watch the trailer for this, that's exactly what you'll get from it. Okay. His hand is totally out of control. Um, so the official synopsis to this is: the teenage slacker's right hand becomes possessed with murderous intent, um, and you'll be unhappy to know that the tagline for it was the touching story of a boy and his hands. Mm, the touching story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was filmed in the same neighbourhood as Halloween. Wow. Um, and here's here's a great bit of trivia for you. The United States DVD claims to include supplementary production notes, but there are none on the disc or inside the cover. Where are they? <laughs> the lost production notes. They got slashed. <laughs> they were cut. 
one other bit. This is probably the most inane bit of trivia ever, but because it was it was prefixed with um, the trivia item below may give away important plot points. Okay. Um, until he is in the hospital towards the end of the film, Anton never removes an article of clothing he puts on. Okay. okay, okay. If that can spoil the story, then yeah. fucking hell, what's the story? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there you go. That's Idle Hands. Um, I shan't be watching it. Well, shall we move on to rules to survive and rules survive a slasher and to be a slasher? Yeah. Have you got any or, or do you want me to just rattle off mine? <laughs> What you do in your own time is nothing to do with. <laughs> Well, first of all, can I just give a warning here? We, we shouldn't really tell people how to be a slasher. <sighs> Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Okay. Details. Well, I've got some rules to be a slasher because I've written some. Uh, yeah. This isn't a how-to guide. You're not going to know how to do it. It's just, you know, the you know what you should consider before, you know, giving it a go. Okay. <laughs> Listen, guys, you might want to consider this before you get into that line of work. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I've got the full list of all the rules from all the Scream films. Um, Okay. Why don't we start with... Mm, There's a lot. Shall I just do Scream 1? Yeah. Because there's only three from that. So, uh, you may not survive the movie if you have sex. Okay. That's rule number one. You may not survive the movie if you drink or do drugs. That's rule number two. Okay. And the third and final rule, you may not survive the movie if you say, I'll be right back, or an inquisitive hello, or Ah. who's there. Yeah. So those are the rules that are read out by, what's his name, Jamie Kennedy? Okay. um, In Scream. Just going, just going back to your first point about them, you may not survive if you have sex. Then, um, in Friday the 13th, in the parents' guide, it says a couple has loud sex. We see the bare back of the man who thrusts once. Um, (laughs) orgasm noises are heard but not seen, so the noises aren't seen. Um, And here's the worst part. Ian, are you Mate, ready have for you this? seen that orgasm noise? <laughs> seen it over there a minute ago. Um, are you ready for the worst part? Yeah. And uh, I think anybody that's seen this film will need to instantly go and put themselves on the register because it says we later hear that they were only 15. Oh. So, you know, think twice before watching that film again. <laughs> Don't think so- about it too many times. <laughs> So um, um, I've I've got my list, which is quite similar of how to survive a slasher, but I haven't had a professional Hollywood screenwriter uh, help me out with this one. Okay. Okay. So what you're saying is you've arrived at the same thing, but you didn't think to go to the film that references all of it. Okay, but I've got okay. some more. So okay, okay, none of the slashers are that fast. Uh, so always have a way out. Always make sure you've got an exit strategy. Investing in good cardio and maybe parkour skills is a good strategy. Can you do parkour? No, but I feel I feel that if I had maybe a janitor or a, you know a brother or something like that that was horrifically humiliated, 
maybe 10 years ago, I think I would have put the effort in so that I could run maybe like a 21 minute 5k um, and do some pretty impressive, you know, parkour that would get me a lot of hits on YouTube uh, just so that I could get away. Okay. You know, because it's that, you know, they're slow, you know. I mean, only that that only wouldn't work against uh, Freddy, I'd say, because he could, you know, get you in. You'd be knackered from all this running, and he'd have a little nap, and then he'd get you. Yeah, you'd, he'd be running through your dreams. Yeah, he'd pretend to be like a wall or something that you'd like, you know, parkour over, and then he'd just chomp you up. And then, no, yeah. then you'd be in the wall like. Sorry, like what? <laughs> okay, cool. Confirmed. Okay. Rule rule number two, silence is golden. So, you know, don't utter stuff to yourself like, be quiet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Don't, oh, my God. And don't whimper through your fingers. It's a dead giveaway. Especially yeah, if you're, like, yeah. under, the, under the sink and they're, like, you know, walking past very, very slowly. Don't do that. Just be quiet. Yeah, especially if you're next to the pipe, because if it goes through the pipe, it might amplify coming out of the sink. Um... Number three, so have, you know, consider housekeeping. Housekeeping. Put all potential killing objects away. Um, use child locks on, on drawers and always use a padlock on the toolbox. Literally every object is a potential killing object, though. And actually, the weirder they are, the more likely you're going to get killed in a weird way. So what you're saying is Don't everything is... Things. Don't have exactly. Don't have things. <laughs> Should watch that Netflix program about minimalism. Okay, so if there's a slasher about and you know that there's one about, maybe try being a like an incel for a bit until the whole matter's been dealt with. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it looks like that's all been dealt with. If you have managed to down the slasher, then always go for a killing blow. No matter how over the top it may seem, it's better safe than sorry. So what, oral sex? <laughs> uh, you mean lop, lop off the head? Yeah, lop off the head, like they do at the end of H2O, spoiler alert. Um, you know, she's got him pinned betwixt a van and a tree, and she just... She's taking no chances. That head's coming off. Okay. Cool. Uh, Any more? So, yep. Don't hang around with the seemingly cool guy in a leather jacket. He's going to get it. Uh, same goes for smokers and party lads. Okay. So, don't hang around with those because they're, they're definitely going to get speared with something. Is that me? Oh, yeah. Leather true. jacket, drinking. Yeah, drinking. That's my that's my character. So here's what, so just to, to just drinking. to back me up on this. Here's what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill have stated many times over the years uh, that they did not consciously set out to depict virginity as a way of defeating a rampaging killer. The reason why the um, horny teens all die is simply that they are preoccupied um, and that they didn't notice that there's a killer at large. On the other hand, Laurie Strode spends a lot of time on her own and is therefore more alert. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Moving on to the flip side of this is how to be a slasher. Okay. So, Ian, if you're going to be a successful slasher, then first of all, you've got to ask yourself why. 
you're going to need to have that sort of get up and go. So here's a few reasons uh, to start up a life in slashering. Okay. You've been wronged or humiliated. Oh, mate, you're prime. (laughs) Um, You've been killed and need to seek revenge from beyond the grave. Mm, Okay. Or you've just had a bad upbringing and you just don't know better. But the main thing is be in it for the right reasons. (laughs) Okay. So you need a reason. Number two, get the look nailed. So if you want to be the slasher about town, then you're going to need the style on lockdown. So why not use some clothes from your uh, profession to make you really stand out? So your janitor gear or prison game dev stuff. Yeah, like an AMD t-shirt. Massive, like a free t-shirt that you got at like a games expo. Yeah. Uh, Dark colours are a must because you're going to need those dark colours so the blood stains don't ruin the look. You're a lock. You basically yep. go around in like a wolf t-shirt or something. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so you're going to need to get tooled up. So you've what's got your, your mo- what's your what's your mask, Ollie? If it's you, what's my mask? Has anyone done like a like a welder's mask or something like that? I think that's a good mm, one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Can you come back to me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's come back to that. I'll have a think about it. Okay, so you're going to need to get tooled up. So you've got your motivation. The image is screaming maniac. Uh, so you now you just need the tool for the job. So I'm saying you need to choose something simple yet iconic. So something That's like a, base, a baseball bat or a rolling pin. Really leave your mark. Okay. The baker. The baker, yeah. Or the pitcher or whatever. The slugger. Slugger, yeah, that's good. But also don't forget to improvise and get creative. And I think we've said that before. You know, anything has got potential to be a slasher tool. So just get creative. But finally, you must have a good sense of humour. If you're going to be like a talking slasher like Freddy, then you're going to have to start writing down some one-liners for all occasions, unless you can really think on the spot. Or if you're the silent type then you need to start thinking about ironic ways to dispatch your teens. <laughs> okay, so it's in like, the kill. The one-liner is in the kill. Exactly. Um, and maybe try to work on like an annual cycle. So, you know, on the anniversary of, you know, the wronging or the, you know, when you got, when you got killed. Try and work on that annual cycle. Okay, so what do you think about those rules of then there? What do you think of those rules? Have you got any more that you want to add, or have you got any feedback? Only take the main character's clothes off. You don't want to kill them. What do you mean? Explain. Elaborate. Well, you know, if you're taking on, say, three to eight kids, and you want to just kill them all. Um, yeah. Teens, I should say. Kids, that's a bit much. Come on. Yeah. Um, if you're taking on some teens, slash the first six sort of really draw out the kill of the seventh and then the whole time you've been chasing after this main character, the eighth teen, and really all you do is you kind of slowly derobe them. Yeah. And then they get you. <laughs> or okay. do they? That's that's kind of it. It's just Remains to be seen. Be big as well. Be big. Apart from Freddy, Lift. generally all these slashers are like six foot 
suiting and pretty yep. burly looking. Which is the one with the cane in it. See, no evil. Yeah, that one, the cane. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Uh, but that's it. Those are the those are my rules. Never yep. talk. I think talking is rubbish. In yeah, f- for sure. I think most of them don't talk, do they? Just yeah, just the one. Um, okay, I've got a a, a little uh, surprising list here. So this is on a on a website and it's the horror movie villains with the most kills so i'm just gonna go through it I and mean, it might have changed since 2017 or something but you know i'm gonna okay. let you know anyway so leatherface 29 yeah. kills oh okay and then the next one up is ghostface from scream if do you want to care to take a, a stab at these are increasing he's... are they they're increasing yeah 62 it's just 34. Oh, across all four films? Uh-huh. Hmm, okay. Okay, uh, next, Chucky. So it's, it's, remember, it's going upwards. It's an upwards trajectory. Chucky, we're going higher than 32, are we? Yeah. Let's go with 46. It's 37. Okay, now, are, well, we, are, right. we, are we counting Pinhead as a slasher and Hellraiser? Where do we draw the line? Is Final Destination a slasher? Mm, Final yeah. Destination isn't because it doesn't have a single villain. Death is <sighs> too unclear. No, it isn't, but that is that is who it is. Yeah, but not really as an on-screen character. Right, well, Chucky was 37, Pinhead <laughs> is 41, yeah. and Death from Final Destination is 43. Okay. Tied with Freddy Krueger at 43. Uh-huh. And then a huge jump up with Michael Myers. Have a guess. 86. 111. Ooh, nice. And finally, uh, Jason. He's got the most. I mean, he's got the most what, films. What was the previous... Uh, 111. 111. Legs, 200. 111. <laughs> 200. Uh, no, it's 158, but that's still impressive. Wow, that's a lot. There's a there's a video on YouTube of all of the kills and it lasts nearly three hours. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I hear that you perhaps have two uh, quick slasher ideas that you'd like to run by us. Maybe we can greenlight them or shoot okay. them in the bin. All right. Cool. Uh, so my first one is Derek. Okay. Okay. So he's been wronged. Um, he got a bad haircut. And he was mercilessly ridiculed by his workmates for months. Is this the same Derek that um, Ricky Gervais plays? No. Okay, you I mean, might have. Um, you might want to look into that. Um, his killing sure. tools is um, it's just a hairdresser's kit with uh, you know scissors, razor, and curling tongs. Curling think- tongs. Yeah, you could put those in someone's mouth and then punch them in. Like that, you green lighting okay. that, or it sounds like it sounds like you're not too keen. Are you green lighting that, or are you? Is it going in? The I bin? quite like it because there's a line I like, that I think I like topics prime to be used. You know, chocolate, hazelnut, asks, nugget. What would you like done? Oh, just um, short back and sides, and then he goes. I was thinking more like six inches off the top, and then he to- chops the top of someone's head off. Yeah, that's stolen from a TV program. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, pretty good. I'm not going to green light it. It's a shit in the bed, I'm afraid. Okay, uh, my final one, my second and final one is Ron LD. Ron 
Aldi. Okay. This is a guy, he plays in Sunday League football and he missed an important penalty kick um, and got his team relegated and then his team uh, stomped him to death. <laughs> and then he's back from he's back from beyond the grave um, to to basically get uh, to kill people in Sunday League football teams. And his tool of choice is uh, is a football, but primarily just like spot kicks and set pieces. Okay. So like you're just sitting there having a cup of tea, and then all of a sudden, like just the ball whips your head off. <laughs> like he 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 just kick them at such a velocity. Okay. You know, um, you walk, you're walking the dog and then all of a sudden you've just got a ball-shaped hole through your chest. I'm going to shit this one in the bin, Ollie. <sighs> it's a double-pitch nightmare. What I mean, what's wrong with that one? I thought you'd go for that. Um, I just don't think anyone anywhere would ever want to watch it. I mean, since when has that stopped films being made? <laughs> Fair point. Uh, if you like this show then you can find out more about it by going to facebook.com forward slash guys on film you can go to our website guysonfilm.co.uk and if you'd like to get in contact with us on twitter and instagram we're at uf podcast and when we post our we're going to post a bunch of stuff about our next episode uh, in the run up to it let us know what you think about the topics you can send us a comment or it doesn't have to be audio but you can do audio if you record uh, a voice memo on your phone then you can email that to us at guysonfilmpodcast at gmail.com pretty cool huh is there anything else yeah pretty good bye